So biblical scholars, when they talk about uh, the earliest um, statements of faith by the Christians, uh, and what I mean is, what were the things that Christians said even before it was written down in the New Testament? Uh, many scholars would come to Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 15 as maybe what I would call a creed. It's a statement of faith. It's a, it's a summary of the gospel. It's like the gospel in a, in a nutshell. It, and what they believe is it was, it was what the early church were teaching and saying among themselves and before it was ever written down. It was, it was a creed. And you get this sense, and I want, I want to read that, and then today I want to talk about the death of Jesus, which he talks about here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. And look at it closely. Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. The core of the gospel is contained in these verses, and you get that sense in verse 3. When Paul says, for I delivered to you first of all. And he says, that which I also received. So this was something that the early apostles in the church taught Paul. And Paul says, that package then I delivered to you. And he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was Buried, And I want to put a period right there this morning. Next Sunday we will talk about the resurrection of Jesus. But before we can talk about the resurrection of Jesus, we have to answer the question, is it reasonable to believe that Jesus died? And I know that may sound rather remedial, but... 1 Corinthians is written in, say, uh, 55, 56 A.D. So it's about 25 years after Jesus died and was buried and rose again and was seen by the apostles. And by, in, within 25 years, the church had summarized it all and say, here's the package of the gospel that has, is being handed down. That's within 25 years. The core points of the gospel were already established. Now, the pivotal event, not only in Christianity, but specifically to what we're talking about 
in Christian apologetics is the resurrection of Jesus, which I'm going to attempt to present next Sunday, but it's the wealth of material is is mind-blowing. But before you can talk about the resurrection of Jesus, you have to talk about the death of Jesus. Do we have reason to believe that Jesus, as the, as the early Christians and the scriptures taught, died on a cross? Um, the objections to the death of Jesus come from at least one world religion, that would be Islam. And in the Quran, there's a statement about the death of Jesus, and it's something to this effect that it appeared to them that Jesus died. Um, we don't know exactly how to take that or what Muhammad was teaching there. Either it was not Jesus that was on the cross, or Jesus did not die. But he dismisses the fact that Jesus died on the cross. The opposing worldview says that either Jesus was only a man that died on the cross that day, or that Jesus did not die that day. In fact, um, the, the theory is, it's called the swoon theory, that Jesus appeared to have died that day, but he really wasn't dead. They put him in the tomb, and Jesus came resuscitated. And the question is today, do we have reason to believe that Jesus of Nazareth died on a cross and was buried? The early church, in stating the gospel, says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried. There is no scholar who studies the historical sources who doubts the existence and the death of Jesus. I'm just going to say that. There is no scholar who studied the evidence unless he had, is so subjective and so wants to prove another point that he dismisses it for whatever reason. There is no objective scholar that looks at the evidence. And, and I, I would say this, these are people that don't even necessarily believe in Jesus. Some of them don't believe in Jesus. But when they look at the evidence, no, Jesus existed. That's not in dispute these days with all the historical background. And that Jesus did die on a cross. I, I want us to think just quickly in, in about three areas this morning. I want to talk about the non Christian historical sources about the death of Jesus. And these, these are rather interesting, and I have five of them. But um, these are people, they're not Christians. They don't place any significance to the death of Jesus. But they, they write about it in the history. Tacitus, who is a first century Roman historian, makes the statement. He says, he's talking about Christianity, and he says, Christus, from whom the name from whom the name had its origin, this is his phrase, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. That's a Roman historian. He describes it as Jesus suffered the extreme penalty, which 
we can conjecture, meant crucifixion. Um, a man by the name of Mara Bar Serapion, who was a Roman philosopher from 73 AD, he writes in 73 AD, uh, this is after the fall of Jerusalem, and he is talking about uh, the great thinkers and minds and leaders in different civilizations that those civilizations killed. And he talks about the Greeks, and he talks about Socrates and how they executed him, and Pythagoras. But then he makes an allusion. His third example is the execution of the wise king of the Jews. The, edu- the execution of the wise king of the Jews seems to be an allusion to the crucifixion, the execution of Jesus. More explicitly, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian in the first century. Uh, in his history, he says, this is his statement, one sentence that I just pulled out. Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to cross. He specifically says that Jesus was condemned to the cross by Pontius Pilate. That's Josephus who doesn't believe in Jesus. He's just a historian. Uh, The Talmud, uh, written by Jewish rabbis in the first and second century, have the statement that on the eve of Passover, Yeshua was hanged. And so it talks about Uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. Lucian, a Greek writer of the second century, uh, says he has this statement that Christians worship a man who was crucified. And so I'm saying to you, apart from the Bible, here are five non-Christian sources that give us a picture or give to the crucifixion of Jesus and the summary of those non-Christian sources the summary is that Jesus was crucified at Passover in Jerusalem at the hands of Pontius Pilate and any objective scholar who looks at those ancient sources has to conclude the historical sources that didn't believe in Jesus account and give credence to what Christians said that Jesus Christ was crucified in Jerusalem at Passover by Pontius Pilate. Let me me bring it forward to 2,000 years to modern evidence. If I was just submitting evidence into uh, the hearings today, uh, one of the things that I would like to portray, and some of y'all saw this, The Passion of the Christ in 2004 produced by Mel Gibson. How many? How many of you saw the Passion of the Christ? Before I talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, if I were a lawyer presenting a case, and I understand it's just a movie, it's just Hollywood, but if you wanted to see a depiction of what it would have looked like for Jesus to have died, I, I would just play the Passion of the Christ. Now, I understand in evidence, that's just, that's just Hollywood. But if I also talked about modern evidence, I would enter into exhibit uh, an article, and I've read this before, but it's from the, the Journal of American, the American Medical Association, JAMA. 
This was written in 1986 by medical doctors about, this is basically an autopsy report for Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, they, they make a summary. Let me read just the opening paragraph, the ending paragraph. And this is, it's, it's nine pages long. Uh, you can Google it. Uh, JAMA, J-A-M-A, it's from 1986, on the physical death of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're the first to the front, uh, you can steal the pastor's copy. It'll be sitting here. It's not stealing because I gave you permission to do it. Take my copy. I can print it, but maybe you don't have a printer and you say, oh, I want to read it. But the opening... This is medical doctors who wrote this report. And it says, Jesus of Nazareth underwent Jewish and Roman trials, was flogged, and was sentenced to death by crucifixion. The scourging produced deep, stripe-like lacerations and appreciable blood loss. And it probably set the stage for hypovolemic shock, as evidenced by the fact that Jesus was too weak to carry the cross beam to Golgotha. At the site of crucifixion, his wrists were nailed uh, to the crossbeam, and after the crossbeam was lifted up onto the upright post, his feet were nailed to that upright post. The major pathophysiological effect of crucifixion was an interference with normal respirations. Accordingly, death resulted primarily from hypovolemic shock and exhaustion asphyxia. Jesus' death was ensured by the thrust of a soldier's spear into his side. Modern this is the final sentence. Modern medical interpretation of the historical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead when taken down from the cross. And then it goes through this lengthy description of basically that last 24 hours of Jesus and what he physically endured. This is their conclusion at the end. This is just from a medical journal. Thus, it remains unsettled whether Jesus died of cardiac rupture or of cardiorespiratory failure. However, the important feature may not be how he died, but Rather, whether he died. Here's their statement. Clearly, the weight of historical and medical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead before the wound to his side was inflicted and supports the traditional view that the spear thrust between his right ribs probably perforated not only the right lung but also the pericardium and heart and thereby ensured his death. Here's their final statement. Accordingly, interpretations based on the assumption that Jesus did not die on the cross appear to be at odds with modern medical knowledge. That's the medical report submitted into evidence today on the death of Jesus. The final thing I want to talk about is what the eyewitnesses saw. And I want to describe just briefly that it's really less than 24 hours, but it's from the upper room. It's from the upper room to the tomb. Sundown, Thursday to sundown, 
Friday. We understand, and I, last night I, I decided I would just read through those accounts. You can read through uh, the eyewitness accounts in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there's great weight within the biblical record given to the death of Jesus. If you're just talking about several chapters given to a 24-hour period, it, it indicates from the Gospels that there was great significance to the death of Jesus, and there's, great de- there's more detail about that 24 hours than any other time frame in Jesus' life. But you understand first that Jesus had celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. They had gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. It is indicated, in, in fact, in the medical report of the psychological and physiological stress that Jesus' mind and body would have been under in Luke's account that there was blood mingled in his sweat. He was under extreme. There's a medical term. I can't pronounce it, so I didn't read it. You know, that's what you do with Old Testament names and medical reports. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, so he's, he's already under extreme physical and mental stress, He is arrested and incarcerated by the Jewish soldiers. And on that occasion, he is beaten. That is through the middle of the night. That's sometime after midnight. The Jews eventually hand him over to the Romans. He's interrogated by the Romans. This is about sunup. And he is handed over. When he is condemned to death, he is handed over to professional executioners. Please understand that. The men that were commissioned to crucify Jesus were professional executioners. On that occasion, he was flogged, or what many times we call scourged. It's graphic. In fact, if you saw the Passion of the Christ, uh, it's even maybe more brutal than the actual crucifixion. But he was whipped with a whip that had a number of strands on it and on those strands were sharp objects that were designed to inflict uh, pain and irreparable damage to his body. Uh, The Roman historian Eusebius spoke of scourging and he said the sufferer's veins were laid bare and the very muscles, sinews, and bowels of the victim were open to exposure. Scourging was designed to weaken a person's body uh, to prepare them for crucifixion. Jesus was so beaten that the eyewitnesses says that, said that he was not able to carry his cross. He was not able to carry the cross beam. His hands and feet were nailed uh, to the cross when they got to the place of execution. This is described in Psalm 22. Uh, This is, what would that be, over a thousand years before Jesus. And, And read it sometime. But Psalm 22, David writes, and Jesus says this from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am... I am a worm and not a, no man, a reproach of men, despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. 
They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I am poured out like water, and all my joints, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up. My tongue clings to my jaw. Uh, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. We saw that play out a thousand years later in the crucifixion of Jesus. Many scholars have doubted. Uh, the psalmist says that the hands and feet were pierced and actually the, the Roman records denote that at times the feet were nailed to the cross and people have dismissed it and said, oh, the Bible's not accurate. Jesus' feet weren't nailed to the cross. They didn't do that. Uh, I don't know. If I just was submitting archaeological evidence in 1968, they discovered the remains of a man who had been buried. His bones were collected uh, this is from 70 A.D. at the time of the Jewish rebellion. And in the man's heel was a seven-inch spike that also contained some olive wood on one end. So this man, this, he had been crucified. His feet had been nailed. And uh, they weren't able to retract the, the nail, the spike, from his, from his feet. And therefore, they just buried him with it. And it's so they know from that time period that people's feet were uh, nailed as a part of crucifixion. And so for basically six hours that Friday, Jesus experienced excruciating pain. In fact, the very word excruciating comes from the Latin out of the cross. You see the word uh, crucifixion in that. Uh, unbelievable pain. Um, it's interesting to me if we're just talking about the extra biblical sources that the scripture says that about noon that day that it went dark it is interesting that there is an extra biblical source there's a, there's a writer by the name of Thallus uh, we don't have his works but he writes in 52 AD and actually we, we know his words from another man who wrote in 221 by the name of Julius Africanus who is writing about Thallus' report and this is what Thallus reported. He talked about a darkness at a time of Passover in Judea and, and Thallus wrote, on the whole earth there pressed a most fearful darkness and the rocks were rent by an earthquake and many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. So this ancient writer in 52 AD writes about there was a Passover in which there was great darkness. And the reason, um, this is getting a little detailed, but Julius Africanus writes about it because Thallus assumed that it was a solar eclipse. But the reason Julius Africanus is writing about it is he says, he knows scientifically that you cannot have a solar eclipse um, eclipse when there is a full moon and the Passover would have happened at a full moon and so what Julius Africanus said it could, could not have been a solar eclipse so the question is what happened that day and actually that darkness 
was reported throughout the Roman Empire by different people. Hmm. Gives credence to the biblical record. The eyewitnesses said that about 3 o'clock that Jesus would have cried out and would have breathed his last breath. Uh, and most of the medical experts say that Jesus would have died uh, from what they call exhaustion asphyxia, which means that he was no longer able to raise his body up enough to expel air, and eventually he suffocated. Um, the biblical writers, specifically John, says that because it was a Passover and a Sabbath day that was coming, they wanted the dead bodies off the cross, and they went, and they ordered that the legs of the men be broken to, because once you broke the legs, you could not push up with your legs to breathe anymore, and you would have died within minutes. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead, and that the soldier took the spear mm, right side and went up, piercing the lungs and the heart, and blood and water comes out. The eyewitnesses also say that the body of Jesus was secured by Joseph of Arimathea, who went to Pontius Pilate and asked for the body. John's account includes Nicodemus in the burial and that there was a tomb nearby and that Jesus would have been uh, wrapped in linen cloths with spices and wrapped up like we would think of of a, of a mummy and would have been placed in that tomb a rock would have been placed over it and the guards were set that day and sundown came and that is what the eyewitnesses record of the death and burial of Jesus the two things that I want to say is that Jesus was in a constant chain of command for those 24 hours. He was never left without the Jewish or Roman authorities overseeing his body, whether it was arrest, trial, crucifixion, burial. There was a, there was a constant chain of command And that the eyewitnesses saw and testified to the arrest, trials, crucifixion, and burial of Jesus. And if I'm just making a rational case, before we come next week to the resurrection of Jesus, All the evidence points that Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross and was buried. Is it possible that Jesus of Nazareth resuscitated in the tomb, unwrapped himself, moved the stone away, and appeared as a healed man to his followers. 
that he didn't really actually die. That theory defies the facts. It is irrational. It is illogical that Jesus was somehow, somehow resuscitated in the tomb. If that is not the case, is it possible that Jesus was only a man? And if Jesus was only a man, then his crucifixion was a grand gesture of sacrifice and love. But what I say to you, and the early Christians attested to, and the evidence points to, is that Jesus not only died, but he was God. And the question before us today is why? Rationally, why? If we believe that Jesus was God, and that rationally we believe from all the evidence that he died on the cross that day. Why would the God of the universe come in the flesh, allow himself to die on a cross and be buried? And the early Christian creed gives us the answer. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Think about it rationally with me, if you'll stand with me this morning. Think about it. Think about it rationally with me. Why would the God of the universe allow himself to die on a Roman cross and be buried unless there was some great purpose behind it all. It's only rational if Jesus was God and he died on the cross that God had an unbelievable purpose behind it all and it was that Jesus would be the Savior who would die for the sins of all mankind. And what I would say to you today, if that is true, and I believe we have reason to believe that it is true, then it is also rational, logical that there is no other way of salvation. No, if that's what God did, it would be re- re- irrational to believe that somehow, oh, there's another plan. No, the Bible says there is no other plan. There is only one way of salvation, and it is through Jesus Christ who loved us so much that he would do that for us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, This morning, as our practice has been for the last year, I'll be at the front if you'd like to visit with me. Uh, The one thing I would say to you is I say all that this morning to say there must come a point in your life in which you surrender to God and his only plan
for you to be redeemed, put back into a right relationship with him. There is only one way. And God loved us so much to provide such an incredible way. But we must surrender our hearts and our lives to him. And I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to visit with you about that. I'll be at the front uh, to talk with you after the morning service. But let me lead us in prayer today and then we'll be dismissed. Father, today we thank you uh, that you loved us so much that you sent your son. And that Jesus was willing uh, to go through all of that for our redemption, that our sins might be paid for. And so, Father, we, um, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We surrender our lives, and we thank you for the grace of God that provides for our salvation when we could not. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we pray that we would live in that as we are dismissed from this place, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you.